Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Brian Candelo. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Welcome to Salem Alliance. For those of you watching us online, we're so glad you can join us in that way. My name is Brian, and I am one of the pastors here on staff. We've had a lot to celebrate this morning already. We celebrated a rose on the platform for someone who gave their life to Christ. We celebrated the goodness of God in our time of worship. And now we get to celebrate the Way Church. The Way Church is a church plant of Salem Alliance by uh, a couple of our RTI grads, our REACH Training Institute graduates. The second one in there is Alex, and the fourth one in there is Yuri. And last weekend, they celebrated being a fully accredited church. They are out on their own. They are doing great. And so let's celebrate that this morning. And now we get to celebrate having a sermon. So... Okay, all right, slow down, slow down. You might want to hold your judgment on that one. Um, I want you to think about the most heard, least listened to speech in history. The most heard, least listened to speech in history. And I'm not talking about a Steve Fowler sermon. I can still do that, right? I mean, it's not like he has a platform to fire back at me anymore, so I feel like he's still fair game. The most heard, least listened to speech in history has to be the airline safety speech, right? Nobody listens to that thing as evidenced by people's response when something bad happens to the plane. So there was a picture a while ago from a Southwest flight where the oxygen mask came from the ceiling and everybody has heard what to do. But in this picture, you'll see that nobody is wearing the mask correctly at all. Not a single person in that picture is doing it right because we aren't listening. When the safety speech is being given, we're more concerned with the truly important things in our lives, like are our cell phones charged all the way? Is there an outlet I can plug it into? Where are my snacks? And more recently, are the people around me wearing their masks correctly? And is anyone coughing? Because that's gross. Um, we aren't at all concerned with the safety cards. I read a story about a pilot who was stapling free fare tickets to the back of the safety cards and nobody was finding them. We don't care about the safety speech at all. We know how seatbelts work. Unless we're in a time of stress, which they find that people cannot get their seatbelts off in times of stress. But that's a different story. We don't need that. You see, we don't listen because we've heard it all before, right? And what are the chances that something really goes wrong? And besides, we don't really want to think about what the possibility of something really going wrong is. And there's no immediacy to it at all, and so we tune it out. Something truly important is being spoken directly to us, and we hear it, we just aren't really listening to it. And we can respond the same way when it comes to listening to God and His Word. For the very same reasons, we're distracted or we're bored, or we've heard it all before. Tell me something I don't know, and I don't want to think that far into the future or think about scary things, and there's no immediacy to it, and so we don't listen. We hear it, but we're not listening. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about this idea that a listening posture is essential for kingdom advance. 
A listening posture is essential for kingdom advance, kingdom advance in us, kingdom advance in Salem, and kingdom advance in the world. G.K. Chesterton says that there is a lot of difference between hearing and listening. Between hearing and listening, we hear a lot. We're inundated with noise. We live in a very noisy world, and we allow all kinds of voices to be speaking in our spaces. But what are we truly listening to? Because listening's hard work. It takes effort. There's a processing involved in listening. There's a perseverance involved in being a good listener, which is why oftentimes we have to apologize to our spouses and say, I heard you, but I wasn't really listening. I mean, hypothetically speaking, I would never, but maybe some in the room would have to do that. And maybe you look at this and you go, a listening posture, listening is just passive, but it isn't. Listening is vital when we are actively and humbly listening, when we are gaining understanding of God and his word, it's going to lead to life change and kingdom advance. And the awkwardness of this principle does not escape me as a pastor. Well, of course the pastor's going to stand up there and say, you should be listening. And what you hear me saying by that really is, come on, guys, this is really important. Pay attention to me. Why aren't you on the edge of your seats writing all this down, by the way? And that's not what I'm really saying, although I do hope you listen to the sermon. I want us to develop a listening posture because it's essential to kingdom advance. We're continuing our series called Kingdom Come. We're talking about the kingdom of God, and we've given this definition to God's kingdom. God's kingdom is the society in which God's will is done. The kingdom of God is the society in which God's will is done. How do we know what God's will is? Well, we listen. We're going to talk about that. So we've gone through this acronym, AIM, which stands for Allegiance, Integration, Mission. Last week, Rob did a great job talking about the motive behind our mission, well, now we're going to kind of launch into what are called the kingdom parables. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Or your phones, you can go to the app there. We're coming to a series of kingdom parables. These are the first parables we come to in the book of Matthew. There's seven in a row. But the first one stands out because it deals with the origin of God's kingdom. It deals with how God's kingdom starts, how it gains roots, how it begins to grow. And it has a lot to do with how we listen and understand what he's saying. It's as if Jesus, the teacher, is saying, class, I need you to pay attention to this. I need you to listen. We're going to talk about the kingdom a lot, but the kingdom begins with you listening and gaining understanding. And we see that. Jesus says that here. He doesn't say it in his parable, but he says it immediately afterwards. If we look at Matthew 13, starting in verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not, which could seem weird. So let's break that down for just a minute. His disciples are coming in. They're saying, Jesus, why parables? It feels like you're being purposefully unclear and obscure. And I know we could probably think this as well. Like, Jesus, why, why this mystery? Why doesn't Jesus just show up and just write something across the sky in huge letters so everybody can see it? Or why doesn't he just come and do a bunch of miracles in front of a whole lot of cameras, and then everybody will understand that there's no doubt of who Jesus is, and people would listen. So Jesus, why the mystery? Why does it seem like sometimes you're speaking in secret code? 
And Jesus says, you're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom. And secrets there, literally the word is mystery. And it's mystery that it doesn't mean something dark and difficult. It doesn't mean something impossible to understand. The technical name for this, secrets here, what it really means is something unintelligible to those who are on the outside, but something clear to those who are on the inside. So Jesus isn't trying to keep his truth from people, but he's saying, I need you to lean in. There's things that I'm going to reveal. And so listen to me so that the kingdom can take root in your lives. And Christianity is full of such things that are unintelligible to people on the outside, but clear to those on the inside. Communion is one. Communion is one of those things. For someone on the outside, if they came in and heard us talking about eating the body and the blood of someone else, that can seem a little bit ridiculous. But for those on the inside, for those who are disciples of Jesus, it's filled with wonder. It's filled with worship. My wife and I, a lot of years ago, brought a young man to church with us who was very unfamiliar with church. And we sang the hymn that begins with this line, there is a fountain filled with blood. And he was like, what kind of place did you bring me to? Because it's insider language a little bit, isn't it? Jesus goes on to say this. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. So it's not that these things are impossible for us to grasp, but Jesus is saying, if you're going to do the hard work of listening to me, if you're going to pursue me, if you're going to ask for Holy Spirit clarity, if you are a disciple of mine, understanding will come. You're not going to understand everything. There's always going to be some mystery, but understanding will come. But if you're going to stand on the outside, if you're going to purposefully put some distance, then what little understanding you have is going to go away. You see, Christianity is best understood on the inside. And so we want to begin the process of understanding his kingdom with a listening posture, because a listening posture is essential for kingdom advance. So we're going to jump into this parable. It starts in verse 3 of chapter 13. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, he begins with, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. Now let's pause there real quick. Jesus is the farmer, and the seeds that he's planting are the gospel, and not just the gospel of salvation, but the life-sustaining, kingdom-shaping entirety of the gospel of Jesus. And he's planting seeds. Just think of a farmer taking seeds and just kind of throwing them out. And the seed, again, is another indication of how God's kingdom is different than earthly kingdoms. Earthly kingdoms are more like stones, but God's kingdom is a seed. You see, when a stone falls, it smashes things, but the seed, it takes root quietly. The stone makes an impact externally. The seed revolutionizes the ground internally. The stone is sudden and forceful. The seed is organic and gradual. The stone is superficial, but the seed is transformational. And we know that seeds break stones. We've seen pictures like this before. The seed that comes up 
through the stone. God's kingdom is countercultural, though, and that's why we need to be good listeners. Because it's not always what we think it should look like. And it's not like the earthly kingdom. One theologian says it this way. God's people are called to be people who live in a different way, exhibiting the curious and often confusing way of Jesus in the midst of the world which does kingdom in the usual way. Arrogance, pride, power, abuse, retribution, and most distinctively, without regard for the other. God's kingdom is seed. Earthly kingdoms are stone. And we need to listen so that we can understand the differences in God's kingdom, so we can understand the message. And this is what changes us. This is what gives us roots. This is what grows us up. This is what transforms the landscape in our lives and around us. And so we're going to read a parable about four soils, which we'll look at as four heart postures. We'll look at it as ways to understand and maybe what keeps us from listening well. I was talking this parable through with a good friend of mine this past week, and she's brilliant. She said, oh, so what that means really is that soil composition impacts kingdom comprehension. And I was like, yeah, that. That thing you just said there. That's really good. Soil composition. We're going to see soil composition impacting kingdom comprehension in this way. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with an underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30 60, even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And Jesus goes on then to explain this parable later, and I just want to talk through that. We have four soils, four heart postures that we want to talk through. And the first is the hard soil. And this is just a closed heart and mind. It's purposefully not letting anything in. It's purposely not letting anything beneath the surface. And there can be a lot of reasons for being hard soil. It could just be life experience. You could have experienced a lot of difficult things in your life, and hard things tend to harden us. It could be fear. We don't want to let anything below the surface of our lives because we don't want to upset the delicate balance that our lives are. It could just be pride. It could just be a flat out, don't tell me what to do. I'm not letting anyone in because I rule me. See, that's the thing with kingdoms is that they have kings. That's what makes them kingdoms. And in God's kingdom, he's the king. And this is troublesome and even infuriating to those who want to be the king of their own kingdom. And this isn't a new problem, right? It goes all the way back to the very beginning. We see this in Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve walking around saying, what do you mean we can't eat from every tree in the garden? Right? There was one rule. We always think of God as a God who just throws all kind of rules out there. When he created things, there was one rule. And it was still one rule too many for Adam and Eve, wasn't it? They wanted to be the king of their own kingdom. So let's ask this question. How do I know if this is me? How do I know if, if I'm a hard soil person? I think there's a lot of things that could indicate this, but I think one of them is a propensity towards cynicism. Even though we would label ourselves a realist, 
Maybe there's some cynicism involved in our lives. Cynicism is just a form of protection. It's how we guard ourselves. Cynics cope with the world through skepticism or a distrust of others, doubt, aloofness, separation, sarcasm, or as we call it, scarcasm. Or I've heard it referred to as Satan's scissors. That's how cynics cope with the world. Cynics love the character Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy. Cynics love the phrase, whatever. They're hard soil people, and hard soil people could be among us even now. And that means your mindset is like wondering what the angle is here. What's everyone's motive? The lady leading worship, why is she so happy? I don't know. And you up front, what's your deal? What do you know? When are you going to start talking about tithing? And why don't you have cool sneakers like the pastor from last week? It becomes a life posture, though. It begins to seep into everything, and we then start approaching everything like it's spam email. Everything's fake. Everything's fraud. We can't trust anything. And the problem is, is that we miss so much when we live that way. Remember when you were a kid, and you were skeptical of all food except macaroni and cheese and ketchup? Because somebody gave you broccoli at one point in time, and you were just like, never again. Anything green's out. But hopefully your palates have grown and increased and you've experienced more. You don't just stop at that point and you're cynical of everything. You let some good things in. We miss so much good when we live our lives cynical. We miss listening, leaning in, and understanding. You see, cynics don't want the plow to break up the soil. Cynics want to break up the plow. It's a counterfeit security. It's a counterfeit peace. Cynicism does not bring about kingdom fruit. As a matter of fact, it creates a pathway, a very hard pathway to apathy and bitterness and anxiety. Cynicism keeps us from listening and understanding. The second soil that we see is the shallow soil, the rocky soil. And don't think of it as just soil with like rocks interspersed here and there. Think of it as a thin layer of soil with maybe a limestone shelf underneath it. And so what that means is soil stays warmer and the seed germinates quickly. But when the roots go in search of water and nourishment, all they find are rocks and they starve to death. And so these are the people that receive with initial joy. There's some initial growth and things look good, but because there's no roots, because there's no depth to this gospel seed in their life, they can't take the heat. And life is full of things that are going to be warm for us. Life is full of things that are withering to us, like troubles and suffering and sickness and disappointment and financial or relational difficulties. Maybe you have difficulties at church or with other Christians. And as we look at the soil, we go, how, how do I know if this is me? Maybe this one's me. Shallow soil people are people who abandon God when they face suffering and scarcity. Because their idea is, well, what's the use of Jesus in my life if I still have to walk through these things? Shallow soil people do not have a theology of suffering. And so this withering of the gospel in their lives is a sure sign that what they really worship were the things lost in the heat. 
Here's what I mean by that. If you have financial difficulty and you have relational difficulty, you want Jesus to sail in and make all that good again. Jesus, that's why you're in my life. And as long as those difficulties keep going, Jesus becomes less and less important. There's no roots. There's no depth to that. These other things are more important than a relationship with Jesus. And so when the heat comes in your life, the gospel seed tends to wither. You see, shallow soil people aren't really entering God's kingdom. They're trying to get God to enter their own kingdom. They're trying to get Jesus to fulfill their own agenda. They want a blesser, not a savior. They want Jesus to be some kind of service provider, some kind of vending machine. One pastor puts it this way. They had never transferred their trust from themselves to the Savior. They had never transferred the kingship of their lives from themselves to Jesus. They had kept it all along. They thought that their primary problem was that they were a sufferer in need of a solution, when their real problem is that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. You see, if we go through life thinking we're just suffering and so we need a solution so that it ends our suffering, that's probably not going to happen. Jesus says, in this world, you will have troubles. Jesus didn't come to wipe the suffering away. But if you think that's chief in your life, then your spirituality doesn't have roots and isn't going to be able to handle the heat. And so suffering and scarcity will keep us from listening and understanding. The third soil that we see is the soil with the thorns. It's, it's the heart posture where the gospel eventually gets strangled out. It's those who hear the message, it grows, but eventually other things that are growing alongside of it become more important. This isn't always an immediate process. Just as if you planted seeds, they would grow slowly and weeds would grow up alongside them one day at a time. So things slowly creep into our lives, grow up alongside the gospel, and eventually choke it out one day at a time. How do I know if this is me? How do I know if I'm this kind of soil? Let me give you a couple things. Maybe it's that we're always overwhelmed by the pace, by the lists, by the inability to stop doing things. We're too busy. We're too preoccupied, which I feel like would describe most people in the room. And the problem is we have a complicated relationship with our busy schedule, don't we? I hear people say all the time, I'm too busy. I have too much going on. My life is too hectic. And yet, we're always unwilling to get rid of those things. As a matter of fact, we're very uncomfortable with stillness and silence. And we don't want to get rid of those things. And those things make us feel important as well. And we're doing a lot of good things. I'm not saying the things that we're busy with are bad things. But the enemy of the great is oftentimes the good. We get so busy with the good, we miss the great. And our spiritual practices begin to get into the margins. Our spiritual practices begin to get choked out by everything that's growing up alongside of us. And it feels like we're trying to have our spiritual practices. Imagine trying to do your quiet time with Jesus in the middle of Times Square. It would be very, very difficult. There would be a lot going on. But we live our lives this way with this inability to stop doing these things. We become distracted. And then we begin to elevate things to the level of gospel that were never intended to be gospel. And they grow up quickly in our lives. And we have podcasts that we listen to or news channels that we listen to or blogs that we read. And these things grow up and they become important and they distract us and they're like gospel and other things get choked out. 
the gospel of Jesus gets choked out in our lives. And thorny soil people, they know too much. They, they can't let go of Jesus because Jesus is really important and I grew up with Jesus and I need Jesus, but I can't let go of any of these other things either. And most of the time, these people end up miserable. And the reality is they end up just like this parable says. It feels like the life is getting choked out of them. You see, we'll never be holy, we'll never be fulfilled until we submit every area of our life to the kingship of Jesus. We don't serve Jesus and, we serve Jesus only. When we're shallow, the distractions keep us from listening and understanding. And lastly, we come to the good soil. It's all been building to this point. These are engaged listeners who investigate, who seek understanding, and who translate listening into kingdom action. They're not too cynical, and they're not too shallow, and they're not too busy, but they cultivate this listening posture. Their ears are open, their eyes are open, their heart is open. This is what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, this is, this is the foundational thing of the kingdom. You're going to know my kingdom by listening to me, by listening to my words. That's how it's going to take root. And so you need to be good soil. How do I know if this is me? Kingdom fruit. If the seed takes root, it bears kingdom fruit. And we know that the more spiritual cliches that rhyme are the true ones. And that one rhymes, so then that has to be true. He says a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times of what was being sown. It's a flourishing life. And so how do we cultivate our lives this way? How are we good soil? How do we listen well? I want to give us just two things in closing. And the first one is just something that we can think about. And it's this. It's having a perspective of hope. Because if I'm honest with you, I have read this parable over and over in the past few weeks. And I got caught in this idea of, you know what, I'm the hard soil and the shallow soil. And at times, there's thorns in my life choking out good stuff. And I hope sometimes the good soil, I felt like I'm just this amalgamation of all these things. And I know that I've wrestled with some of those things for a long time. These are the things that I keep praying about. And I thought, Jesus, how am I going to continue to be good soil? But you know what? The farmer who's scattering the seed, he can break up. He can break up the soil. He can remove the rocks. He can keep the thorns from choking us out. Ezekiel says this, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. You see, the farmer who scatters the seed can get rid of our stony, stubborn heart and cultivate us to be good soil. And so we can have that hope. And I've been leaning into that in prayer recently, hopeful that God will continue to do that work in me. And secondly, then I think we need a posture of listening. We need to develop a posture of listening because God speaks to us in so many different ways in Scripture. It's clear. Dreams and visions and nature and senses and feelings and people, community and his word. There's so many things. But if I could challenge you on one thing this week, I would challenge you to spend time in prayer this coming week. And when you spend time in prayer, remember that prayer is not just monologue. It's dialogue. 
So much of our prayer, I think, is we say things and we thank God for the day because we always do that. And then we have some requests and then we say amen and then we're done and we move on right away. But would you spend time listening this week? And a great way to do that is ask questions. I don't know if you ask questions in your prayer life at all. Ask God questions. God, what do you see? God, what do you think? God, what do you want? And then stop and listen. Ask questions and stop and listen. As I was praying through this, I was reminded of a story that I read a long time ago. Back when the telegraph was the best mode of communication, a man answered an ad in a newspaper to be a Morse code operator. And so he goes to this building, and he enters into this reception room waiting area. And there's a bunch of people sitting in these chairs waiting for their interview. And there's a reception desk. And it's noisy, and people talking. And the telegraph is relentlessly clattering in the background the whole time. And so the young man goes, and he signs in and finds his seat. And then a couple minutes later, without anybody saying anything, he stands up, and he goes, and he walks through the door into the inner office. And everybody's like, what's his deal? And then, a couple minutes later, the boss walks out with this young man, and he says, all the rest of you can go home. He got the job. And they're like, what do you mean he got the job? None of us got to interview. And the boss said, here's what, here's what was going on the whole time. As you were all sitting here, the telegraph was tapping out this message. If you are listening and you can understand, come through the door. There's work to be done. And I feel like God's speaking that message to us. If you are listening. If you can understand, enter in. There's work to be done. There's kingdom work to be done. A listening posture is essential to kingdom advance. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this story, for this parable. And I pray that you would tune our ears to you. We confess that we are hard soil and shallow soil, and we've allowed thorns to grow up. But we want to be good soil. We want to listen well so that your kingdom advances, not ours, yours. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit SalemAlliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.